Hello and welcome to the final episode of The Pulse for this series. We'll be taking a break until October, but before we do, in part two of this week's show, we're looking at the problems facing publishers of political books in Hong Kong. First, though, it's shaping up to be a contentious summer, with the National People's Congress Standing Committee set to deliver a decision on Hong Kong's constitutional reform at the end of August. For the moment, Democrats are still pressing for the opportunity to talk to Beijing's representatives, who've been talking a lot to their allies. On Wednesday, pan-democratic lawmakers attended a meeting with Chief Secretary Carrie Lam and other members of the Constitutional Task Force. This is the first meeting between the task force and pan-democratic members since the announcement of the first round of consultation on constitutional reform. They wanted to express their concerns on the progress of constitutional reform and to deliver three main messages to the NPCSC before the end of August via the Chief Secretary. We all want genuinely to meet with those who are in the Central People's Government that have carriage of political reforms in Hong Kong. We want to be able to speak on behalf of our supporters for Hong Kong people. We do not see why the Central People's Government would not want to see us. We hope that they will not, they will not make a decision to dash the Hong Kong people's hope for democracy. And I told the CS very clearly, if that should happen, then she has to be prepared because we are going to occupy Central. This is really a window dressing to demonstrate that the government has met with us and that they have completed the mission. Um, you see, the Chinese official Zhang Dejiang just came to Zhengzhen to uh, meet with uh, various uh, sectors of the community, and yet he would not meet with the pan-democrats. Zhang Dejiang, chairman of the NPCSC, met pro-government members on Monday. Pan-democrats were not invited. The central government's response to Hong Kong's report on constitutional reform will probably be released by the end of August. After the Democrats' meeting with the Chief Secretary, they held their own meeting, discussing what would be done when the NPCSC responds to the constitutional reform report. They say it's critical to show that Hong Kong people have made their hopes for the 2017 CE election very clear. This moment, we are not very optimistic about the future of democracy in Hong Kong. Uh, particularly after so many uh, Beijing officials expressed the view that uh, civic nominations will not be acceptable. So that's why we come together to discuss how we are going to respond to Beijing when the NPC Standing Committee make the decisions uh, in the coming August. Uh, if the framework uh, laid down by the NPC Standing Committee is too narrow for Hong Kong people 
to imagine any uh, genuine universal suffrage to be implemented in Hong Kong, then we will consider using civil disobedience actions to respond to these kind of actions. Well, with us in the studio is veteran Democrat Martin Lee. Martin Lee, can I ask you first of all whether you really do think there is a prospect of serious dialogue between the Democrats and the central authorities? I don't know whether it's a dialogue between the Democrats and the, somebody from the central government, but there would have to be some negotiation somewhere between some people. Um, and if you look back to history, um, there's always something like that. The Chinese government is famous for their negotiating tactic. They take a strong position in the beginning and hold it all the way. And whereas you are supposed to make one concession and then having made one, then you attempted to make another one in order to make something work. Now, but they keep this strong position until finally there's some dialogue and there's some agreement. So we haven't reached that stage yet. But that does suggest that you think that eventually there will be dialogue. Yeah. But at the they moment... They will make a concession. Well, they, they can make a, a concession, of course, without speaking to the Democrats. That's not, not necessarily something that they have to do. Yeah, but they can talk to anyone. You know, they don't have mm. to talk to the Democrats or whatever. They can talk to somebody influential. Um, so that... I think the important thing is the, the leader. The president himself, Xi Jinping. I mean, he will make the decision now, um, and it is obvious that he hasn't made the decision. Otherwise, we won't have this sort of stage. Do you, do you think that that decision will in any way be influenced by local import? I think so. Uh, it's a matter of necessity, I think, to the Chinese government. If if there is necessity for them to make a bigger concession, they'll do it. If it's not such pressure, then they'll give you a little bit. And on the democratic side of the equation, I mean, the criticism is, obviously from the pro-government people, but from other people as well, that the insistence on public nomination is just a cul-de-sac, and it might be better to, to look more carefully at the composition of the election committee. But I don't agree. As a negotiating tactic, if they take the strong position, you take the other strong position. And uh, civil nomination, after all, I have never been convinced by any argument as to why that is against the basic law. But it, even if it's not against the basic law, it does seem to be, in terms of political reality, something that's not going to happen. No, that's exactly what the central government would like you to think. Uh, and that's why there are so many more moderate proposals coming up from Ensign uh, uh, Chen and so on and other people, but they're not taking them either. So. These people think, and uh, I can understand, uh, out of the goodwill, they say, okay, if a civil nomination is definitely ruled out by them, at least that's what they say, okay, let us not confront them with that. Let us come up with something else and at least 
get a Democrat in um, for the election. And, and so you have much milder proposals and so on. But the, the United Front tactic is this. They attack the, the things which they like least. Now, supposing you line up all the proposals from the Democrats, now the top three would be those with civil nomination and then coming down to the 18 academics and Ensign Chen and so on, right? And the first thing is to hit the tallest three, get rid of them, and then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one, all the way. But in, in your mind, um, is there indeed scope for having a, a serious discussion about the composition of the Do nominating you? committee? When they think the time is right, they will negotiate. Uh, we Chinese have a saying, the guy, the one who should untie the bell, should be the one who ties the bell. So you create the problem, you solve the problem. And when the time comes, I think it will be done. I, I think what people are also saying is that at the moment in the democratic camp, the, the, the leadership has sort of gone to the more extreme elements, and that even people who have a tradition, like yourself, of being involved in compromises are sort of being led by the nose at the moment. Well, I, I think it's a good sign for the cause of democracy because then you have the people who take the more extreme line and that's exactly what the central government is also doing. So now each side is taking a, a very strong line, a very strong position, but when the time comes, there will be some sort of a compromise. Let me ask you more, more directly about your personal involvement in this, because mm. you're being widely criticised for these visits you've made with Anson Chan, the former Chief Secretary, mm. to Britain and the United States, inviting foreign intervention mm. into Hong Kong affairs. How do you respond to those criticisms? Well, I always give the same answer. Um, who was the first to uh, internationalize the Hong Kong issue. Not me, the Chinese government and the British government, because they lobbied hard over the joint declaration before its announcement, and they lobbied all these governments, inviting them to support the joint declaration once it is announced in a high-profile manner, so as to assure the Hong Kong people that there is a future for us. Uh, and, and indeed, that and the, they did so. The joint declaration is a treaty lodged indeed. at the United Nations, is it indeed, not? Indeed, indeed. So, so how can one criticise uh, Ensign and me for going to the to the UK because they are a signatory? But as to the Americans or the Canadians, again, they were invited to support the joint declaration, and they still do. So, when things are going wrong, why can't the Hong Kong people tell them what's happening? Now, if I tell a lie. Okay, hit me with a lie. But if I tell the truth, why shouldn't I tell the truth? Well, Martin Lee, on that point, thank you very much indeed. And uh, we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. The Hong Kong Book Fair ended on Tuesday with the organiser, the Trade Development Council, estimating that over 980,000 people visited. One of the major trends at the show was the movement towards e-books. That may be useful for some of Hong Kong's publishers of political books, at least those who take a critical line. 
They say that getting their printed books in shops via local distributors is getting more and more difficult. Every year, Hong Kong's annual book fair shows that there's still a great deal of interest in reading, although increasingly, not all the reading materials are in ink on paper form. It's a chance for publishers and authors to meet their public directly, cutting out the middleman, the distribution chain. For authors of books with political themes or on political topics, this is particularly important. Hong Kong's bookstores and book chains, they say, are increasingly reluctant to sell books of a political nature. Founded in 2005, Art Publications primarily publishes books on politics and social commentary. Last year, they published books on Occupy Central and Universal Suffrage. Today, China-backed companies dominate the retail book scene. Chain bookstores, Zhonghua Book Company, Commercial Press and Joint Publishing are all under Sino-United Publishing Holdings Limited. High rents have pushed many small and independent bookshops away from street level and into upstairs premises. Most of the smaller bookstores are struggling, although these are more likely to be the ones to sell books on Hong Kong politics or books banned or disapproved of by mainland authorities. There was another literary controversy last year when Zhonghua Publishing Group changed the meaning of some of the text in the Chinese translated version of A Concise History of Hong Kong on the grounds that it was sensitive. After the incident came to light, the book company said that the copies were samples for the mainland market that had accidentally ended up in Hong Kong retail. The author, University of Hong Kong professor John Carroll, accepted their apology. Although that may seem a minor incident, some say there's a broader form of control going on. Jimmy Pang, who ran Subculture for over 25 years, feels the pressure. His publishing house publishes books known for political satire and their commitment to protecting the Cantonese language. I have many 
，以前係有談論啲時政嘅朋友，都已經離我哋而去啦。但問題呢一類型嘅書種，呢一類型嘅有能力寫作嘅人，都開始唔寫呢啲嘢啦嘛，都開始自己禁聲啦嘛。我哋出版係最明顯啦，出版個明顯就因為嗰個利潤係最細嘅。佢利潤咁細嘅時候，佢無必要為咗一本書、一兩本書。And it's not just books that discuss Hong Kong politics. Attempts to block sales of critical books about central figures in the Communist Party are getting stronger. Yu Jie, 呢，他在香港找了很多出版社，都不给他出，啊，不出。有的甚至于说，我们是爱国的。Open Books published the controversial Chinese Godfather Xi Jinping, written by the exiled writer Yu Jie, after the previous Hong Kong-based publisher Yu Mantin was arrested and sentenced in Shenzhen early this year for smuggling. At the time, Yu was preparing to publish the book. So he came to me finally. I said, "No problem. We." 我们并不并不害怕，我在大陆也没有生意，我我也不去大陆，我可以，我我可以悄悄的给你出出纳，再公开。Jin Zhong heads Open Books, which also publishes a monthly magazine that prides itself on revealing the inner secrets of the Communist Party. 关于习近平的书，实际上外面出版的至少有三十种。<laughs> 三十本啊，关于习近平的书，当然其中也有很多习近对习近平是批评他的、骂他的啊，也有。但是呢，那些书都没有事。所以这里面啊，有的书呢，就那个水准高低啊就不一样啊。有些书呢，就比较做的比较粗糙，啊，影响力不大。因此呢，呃。大陆方面也就可以不理他。我现在我们和我的朋友们哈、同事们最大的一个感受，就觉得这个北京啊，共产党呢，他现在投入了很大的财力和人力，想占领香港这个市场。比方说，五年前这样的杂志，政治杂志啊。大概只有几本，大概五六本。现在啊，变成二十多本。In 1991, Jiang Zemin has a speech well on the future of Hong Kong, and at that time, well, he said, "Ah,、uh, the Chinese government should take approach to get five involvement well, ah,、uh, in the preparation of Hong ah、uh, of the Hong Kong handover. From that time onward, they have done a lot of things." Well, to influence or control the media, or、uh, and also the publishing industry in Hong Kong. Well,、uh, after the handover,、uh, they try to, for example, buy the shares well of the bookshops, and uh, they, uh, up to this moment, they can influence or control at least seventy percent well of the、uh, circulation network. In the mind of the Beijing government,、uh, publishing industry well is a means of war, or, or well it is a war of 
propaganda. But so far, at least, there are still some lone warriors out there determined to get their words and their thoughts out to the public. And I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this week's show and in this season of The Pulse. The Fates Willing will be back in October. See you then. Well